God is good. Thank you. He is. He is a tremendous redeemer. And, you know, when we hear a lot of the stuff that we've heard about worldview and modernism and so on, there's one thing that we really, really want, we really need. It's one short little word, and that's hope. And incidentally, I think David gives us an incredible amount of that. Now, I gave you some homework. Read Psalm 18. Anybody remember remember me giving you that? I want a show of hands of everybody that read it. Just a few. You know, you, you guys that didn't, um, you shortchange yourself. But anyways, read it tonight. Um, I am going to read this again. And look at this. An autobiography in five short paragraphs. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. In second paragraph, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. And isn't that a hopeless feeling? And I haven't been there. I know I have multiple times. Paragraph 3. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get immediately. And that little word, little paragraph, little sentence, it is my fault, makes so much difference. Um, And that is something Saul did, or didn't do. Saul made excuses. David did not. He accepted his fault. And and there's so much difference in, in the outcome of them two men. The paragraph, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. And once we see reality of it is my fault and there is a way around it, it makes a huge difference. And then we can walk down a different street. Um, So in the conversation that uh, has been um, with what Luke has been teaching and this whole thing of what the world is facing today, what's going on in the world, um, the whole thing of the distraction of cell phones, the whole thing of what we can get into, the destruction we can get into them, our goal has to become to learn to walk down another sidewalk. And that is what we desperately need to do and can do. And uh, what we're going to look at today, Psalm 18, is going to give us some very, very good information on exactly how to do that. Okay, so let's, uh, let's start looking at Psalm 18. Um, I'm going to read the first verses. And it says, and this is, We'll love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God 
my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. So there's something he is doing in them first three verses. What is it? What's he doing that is very, very important to us today? And we may need some mics. Okay, we will need some mics. He's declaring who the Lord is to him. He's declaring who the Lord is to him. How good of an idea is that? How important is that? What does that do for us when we do that? It, it, both, um, it both declares faith and it also, um, it, which, which is, is, is not just helpful for God to hear, <laughs> because obviously he is, he, he is aware of the condition of our hearts, but it's also, also something where we're verbalizing um, our alignment with um, the correct identity um, and recognizing who he is. Um, yeah, there's, there's something that strengthens faith about declaration. And there's a, there's a very, very important word that you said, alignment. That, that is so important for us to align with God. And so we're, something that has been talked about and happened here quite a lot through these couple of days and that is what he's doing. What is that? Surrender. Well, he has already surrendered. That's why he's doing it. What have we been doing before every session? Worship. worship is not this worship. Stating to God who he is and what he does and what he does best. Uh, if we if we look at these, they're, they're, it's very interesting. I will love you, O Lord. It's who he is. He's going beyond that. He's engaging himself. I will love you, O Lord. And then he says, my strength. So he's he's understanding that he doesn't have the strength. It has to come somewhere else. And he's saying where it's coming from. And uh, he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. So he's acknowledging to God what God has already done for him. And by the way, I think I mentioned this before. Um, David was an old covenant in an old covenant setting. But I don't know of anybody that really had a better understanding of the new covenant than he did. Somehow, and I can't explain that, but he did. If you read through the Psalms, you see it again and again. But so he is going through this. He says, my God and my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. What does praise do for us? 
a little short story of a happening in my life. Um, probably 20 years ago, we were going through some really, really hard times. Um, church stuff, different stuff, rejection, a lot of just tough things. I'd get on the phone and I'd, I'd uh, call my a cousin of mine, say, hey, invariably, <clears throat> his first words were this, Steve, are you praising Jesus for that? Well, no, I'm not. But he pushed that, and he pushed that, and he pushed that until when I think back over that period of time, it's kind of gone. I never think about it. I never think about the people that were involved in it um, because of the what he pushed again and again and again, this whole thing of learning to thank God for um, the difficult things that we are going through. Now, I'm going to read the next three verses, and I want you to explain to me why he does this. He's, he's just here saying what God is. He's worshiping God. He's praising God. He's engaging his will with God. He's uh, saying every, just uh, doing what he's doing in these verses. Then he says, The pangs of death encompassed me. The floods of the ungodliness made me afraid. Sorrow of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. Now, I ask this question. Why didn't he do that first? You ever thought of that? Why wouldn't he have said that first? Before he's praising God, before he's saying who God is, before he says, you are my strength, you are my deliverer, you are my everything else, now he's saying, hey, I'm so distressed I can't go on. Does that make sense? I see a head nodding. How does that make sense? Why would he do that? And have you ever done that? Anyone want to weigh in on that? Because um, who God is to him has already been established. Very good. Anyone else? Okay, I am going to move on. And to me, this next part is going to say one of the most encouraging um, verses in the Bible in some ways. And I'm just going to go through some of this. And uh, before I do that, I'm going to once more talk a little bit about you. Um, when I'm standing up here and I'm looking back there and I'm seeing this many young people that are engaged in reality and in a desire to follow Jesus Christ, it is tremendously encouraging. It's not hard to look into your eyes and see that you people are serious about serving Jesus Christ. And you are, and I know other people have mentioned this too, you are the future church. You are the future leaders. And what you do is going to affect future generations. It just really is. 
And so, and looking at the, looking at this, and and looking at David, and this is why David actually could be the person he was because of his tremendous love for his adoration for the God that he served pre-resurrection, but he loved the God that he served with a pure, complete heart. And that is what's going to take you to the point where you can walk around that hole in the sidewalk. That love. Not the thing of having to get off your cell phone, having to do this, having to do that. If you love your maker with all of your heart, you will walk around that hole in the sidewalk. And then I want to look a little bit at... uh, so just what happened? He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him even to his ears. Verse 7, and there's that little word, then. And, and there's two words in the Bible that I kind of really appreciate, and it's then and but. So he's saying this, and it says, then this is what happened. And he said, the earth shook and trembled. This is the response. One us to... I want us to be really clear on this. This is the response that the God of creation will give you, every one of you, when you simply cry out to him in faith, acknowledging who he is and what he can do and that you can't do it and you need his help. This is his response. It says, Then the, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken. Because he was angry, smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed down the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon the cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. And it goes on and on. Just a bunch of things that he... This is what God did because one of his children cried out to him. Isn't that absolutely incredible? Um, for, verse 14, he sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, the foe, lightning in abundance, and he vanquished them. Drop down to verse 16. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters and delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a dry place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. That is the words straight from God. He delights in his children. He delights in each one of you. Um, Just simply serve him, and that's what happens. Um, Okay, now... I was driving down the road four or five years ago, listening to Bible on tape. I had a program to listen to the Bible in in a year. And it was going through Samuel, 2 Samuel 22. Uh, And you don't have to turn there because if you're on Psalm 18, you're already there. It is almost the exact same words, uh, just about word for word. It's just a little bit different. Um, 
this, and this is what I heard. And it says, David talking, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statues from me. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. If you go into Samuel... There was just a whole bunch of battles he had gone through, and, and God gave them victory over every one of them. And then he says, um, he has, then he is saying here now, he delivered me because he was perfect. And I shut my radio off, or I was listening to on my, my truck radio. I shut my radio off, and I said, wait a minute, this is David that is saying that. How is that possible? How could he say that? And I'm going to put that question out to you. How can David say, I have been perfect before God. I have never transgressed his covenants in any way. How's that possible for him to say that? What are your thoughts on that? Remember Uriah the Hittite being killed because of David. Remember, how could he say that? I'm not exactly sure where it says it, but doesn't it say in the Bible that when we repent and he forgives our sins, he will wipe it from his memory pretty much, where he won't remember it anymore um, and completely forget about it? it? Is that a New Testament verse? I'm not sure either. <laughs> does anybody know? But I know it does say that. It throws him into the sea of forgetfulness. We got the answer here. Was it a prophecy of Jesus? Was it a prophecy of Jesus? We know that a lot of David's a lot of David's writings in the Psalms were prophecies of Jesus. Okay, I have never thought of it that way. And I don't think so. <laughs> but that's a good thought. Maybe talk with Paul Kaufman about it. Okay, I'm going to let someone else weigh in on that. I don't have an answer to that, but I was going to point out that Job almost said the same thing word for word. And it's something I've been puzzling over with the calamities and sorrows and trials that he was going through, that he yet maintained his righteousness, even though we all know he was both sinful, right? Um, I probably should have saved this question ask it of Billy or Luke, uh, see what they say. But I, I'm confused by that. I'll just be honest. I'm confused by that. I don't know how that works. But I did want to point out that Job said the same thing. He did, and I never thought of that. You know, Job, that, that's a, in some ways that's a kind of a hard thing to understand because here is a contest between the devil and God is that fair but then is life fair 
Doesn't, we don't have to get very old for us to understand it's not. Anyone else? I have a theory, but I want to. As out as I'm reading, um, as I'm reading over that is um, verse 25. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in His sight. Um, I'm looking through here, and you know, He says, "I I, I was blameless before Him." Um, in the verse before, um, it, it, I don't see anywhere that it directly indicates that, that it was David's, that, 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 uh, how to say it, that like all of David's actions were necessarily pure, but yet, yet the Lord looked at him and saw righteousness. That seems to be. That seems to be what's being brought out. And that's very good. we got one right over here. Sorry, I don't know your name. Right up here. Um, kind of coming off from what Lynn said, um, I've thought about that a lot before, and I don't know that I've arrived at an answer, but I think it's in Hebrews 11 or 12 where it talks about that faith is from first that faith started with Abraham, like he was saved by faith. And so, like you said, and like we've kind of observed, that David was probably one of the only Old Testament people that really walked out the new covenant life before it was actually enacted by Jesus. So if he, like Abraham, then he could say that, I think. And, and that, is a, that is a reality. The Old Testament people looked forward to the cross just as we look back to the cross. We are saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. They look forward to it and just believe. Just believe what God said. We look back. We have to believe it too. Um, But doesn't show us how absolutely and incredibly beautifully God forgives Um, So, all of us have regrets for things we have done, um, some way or other. Sometimes I've wished I could go through periods of my life again and not do what I did, but I can't. That is something that is done. Um, We also have... um, teaching of David of some of the consequences that he faced because of his sins. Um, Tremendous, tremendous consequences that he faced. God forgave him, but he still had to. He he still had the consequences. That that doesn't necessarily go away, but forgiveness does. Matt mentioned body, soul, and spirit. And this is something that I have kind of felt applies here in an interesting way. And I'm going to put it out like this. And uh, by the way, I'm not saying this is positively 100% scripturally, but it's an interesting thought to me. So, body, soul, and spirit. We are a spirit. 
That's who we are. We possess a soul, which is a will, mind, and emotion. We live in a body. Okay? Since David was a soul, a spirit, since that's in essence who we are, did his spirit commit them things or was it actually his body? And if that is accurate, he still had to have forgiveness. But can we separate that in a way where he can say, my actual spirit did not commit that, but the rest of me did? I, I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out. In some way, I mean, David was able to say, I am perfect before God, and therefore he delivered me from my enemies, which really, really shows us The beautiful forgiveness, God, we serve. Go ahead. Um, I think the reason he could say that is like what Jason was saying. Uh, the verses in Hebrew about the law being a shadow of things to come. And in Hebrews 10, verse 15, it says, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After these days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds, and I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. So if, if David knew that and believed that, um, he could, have, he could have said that because he knew that the, his sins and lawless deeds were, weren't remembered anymore. That, and that is beautiful. And uh, Jamin back there. I'll, I'll let him go ahead. I would like to make the point that uh, what Nevin said, and uh, someone said, uh, I think it was your first question or something like that. Someone said that he forgets all of our sins. And I couldn't exactly find the verse that said that, and I was looking for it. But I found 2 Corinthians 5.21, and it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no, no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it also says in 16 that we, as we accept the righteousness that God gives us, he forgets about everything. We are a new person. We become a new person. So I think when David said that, he knew that he was a new person, and God forgave and forgot all of his sins. So he did forget our sins, but there, there were still consequences, as you said before. So, Thank, thank you for that. And, that. and that is the beauty of, of the God that we serve. Of what you're battling with today, you can be forgiven, and you can move on with your life. Go ahead, Amy is how there's something about taking full ownership of sin that also enables you to take full ownership of forgiveness. And I think the theme in David's life, the reason he could be so bold and saying, God, I like if you wash me, I'm going to be as white as snow, is because he didn't blur facts and try to pretend to be somebody he wasn't. Very good. Thank you for that. <clears throat> Anything else? And I, I wanna I wanna move forward. When, when do I need to quit? I'm not gonna be up here that long. Um, okay. I wanna look at a couple more things in David's life, and uh, what made the vast difference between. King Saul 
and King David. And I mean, we've talked about, a lot about that. And uh, that maybe we didn't have enough time to get into and, and, and explore far enough was the whole concept of what Saul put David through for many, many, many years. And if you read through the Psalms, see it again and again and again, a desperation in the words that he's, that he's writing. Again and again. But almost all. I'll give you an example. Chapter 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. There is verse after verse that that David pens like that. Um, Because of what he was experiencing, what he was facing. And the Bible doesn't tell us the magnitude of what he went many, many, many years that he was running for King Saul. And then look at the last two verses. This is so typical of him. But, that's a little word, I like that word. But, I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Verse after verse after verse like that from David. Now, I want to look at um, just a few more verses here. Uh, Verse 27, it says, For you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. And that is something he understands. I want to move on. Uh, Verse 28, For you will light my lamp, darkness, for by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. He teaches my hand to make war and my arm to bend a bow of bronze. David understood exactly where the battle was. And exactly where his power is. And a question that I have pondered for quite a few years now. Do we as Christians understand where the battle is? Luke has touched on that quite a bit. Do we know where the battle is? Do we actually know what we are fighting? And do we know how to fight that that way? The New Testament scripture that tells us exactly what the battle is. What is that? Principalities and powers of darkness. You know where that's found? Ephesians. And I want to look at that. Um, Because there's a lot more than just that in there. And it's very, very important for us. Ephesians chapter 6. 
I'm going to read some of this. I'm going to start in verse 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Doesn't that sound like David? Oh, God, my strength. It says, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And I want to bring your attention to one phrase in there. And it's in verse 12. And uh, you may have a different dialect than I have here, but there's this word. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Every age has a darkness. Luke has been talking a lot about what the darkness is that we are facing. It fits very well with uh, this study in David. We, we, we are facing some crazy stuff. Your, gener- your children will possibly face some dire things. Um, more than likely. And uh, the darkness of this age. But do we understand that our battle, I mean, what Luke is talking about, this whole thing of gay so on. What is the battle? The battle is not the people. And we have to understand that. The battle is not the people. The battle is what's pushing them people. And we have to learn how to fight in that realm. Um, This morning, we had a very, very beautiful time in the praise and worship. The first thing this morning. And this whole thing of... uh, Prayer, intercession, and so on fits so well with exactly this. And that is where the battle is. If we want to help somebody that's wrapped up, and I don't care if it's demonic, I don't care what it is, if they're wrapped up in some of this nonsense um, that this world is pushing so hard today, prayer and intercession has got to be a huge part of helping that. Huge part. Um, okay. Any thoughts? And I'm going to ask this question. Do you know the background of the, who he was writing to? Ephesians. The city of Ephesians. Something huge happened there when Paul was there. Remember what that was? Great is Diana of the Ephesians. That city was 100% given over to witchcraft. Idol worship, demon worship. And so here's a small church in the middle of that mess. And, and God is um, saying, you know what? Here's what's going to help you. Did you have something, Michael? Huh? You answered your own question. You asked the question, I asked for the mic, and then you proceeded to answer it. Okay. I didn't. Next time you raise your hand, wave it. 
I, I unfortunately don't hear the best and don't always catch things. But anyways, so think about um Let me think a little bit where I want to go with this. This whole thing that Luke was talking about, modernism, and I don't, I mean, I'm not even going to try to follow the terms and all that stuff. The whole thing of gay rights, all of this stuff. What is it steeped in? Is it fair to say it is steeped in devil worship? So the world that you guys are facing, and I'm going to stress this, the world that you guys are facing, yes, we are part of it too. You know, I'm 20 years from now, I may not be here. There's a good chance I won't. But 20 years from now, most of you will. And what's going to be going on by then? And, and uh, are you going to be equipped to face that? And when you look at this, and I recommend that you study through this, because Apostle Paul is saying to a group of people that is facing um, demonism, witchcraft to the extreme, because there was the middle of it. That's, that's the whole society was that. And he's saying, this is what your battle is, and this is how you take care of it. And we'll go on here a little bit, and it says, uh, therefore, because the, of the present evil, the demonic forces that are coming against you, therefore, because of that, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Then it's listing truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, um, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, and prayer. Do this and you will get through all of this. And and I'm sorry I'm not... God, don't have that much of an open discussion today. But I want us to understand some of these things and these beautiful truths that if we love our maker with us that David had for him and we dedicate our hearts to serving him and we discipline ourselves to set our phone down and get into the book Get to know this person. You know, I, I heard a story um, in, in, I'm in closing. Now I'm opening up maybe some comments. I heard a story a long time ago, and I think some of I've shared it here, so some of you have heard this. Um, there was this uh, girl. She was dating this guy. Uh, I'm sorry. She was reading a book. <laughs> she was reading this book, and it got so boring, she shut it. The only book she had ever not read through. <laughs> Whatever the case, she just she quit reading it because it was so boring. And she met this young man, and they got to be friends, and it got a little deeper, and it got a little deeper, and, and felt serious, and uh, it looked like marriage was going to happen. And then she found out he wrote the book. And she said, wow, now wait a minute. I hated that book but I love this man. And so she went back to the book and she started from the beginning of it and read through the book and was fascinated by how good of a book it was. What happened? And if we get to know this author, we will love his book. 
Okay, I just want to open it up. Any comments, any questions, um, whatever. And uh, we can just right now too. It's, it's I'm good with either. Okay, we. I am going to close. I just want to say, may God bless you, every one of you. Um, go for it. Get in the real battle. Fight the enemy. Um, you can be victorious. There's nothing that you and Jesus Christ cannot. We got a got a mic here. Um, with that, with the uh, we're fighting against not this world, but the principalities and uh, and every, on all that. On like sometimes you go to certain situations, say it's like an LGBT um, rally, you might um, get uh, spiritually attacked. Or if you go to an abortion clinic, you might be spiritually attacked or something. How do we know? Is there signs, or is it, how do we know if we're being spiritually attacked in our own personal lives. Like there's like disconnect it sometimes seems like with God where we're, we're praying and we're praying and we're praying. And there seems to be some type of disconnect. Are there, are there, is there scripture to show that there's certain signs or things that may happen in life to where we can know if we're being spiritually attacked or if there's a spiritual hindrance or if there's something that, that we can be like, Lord, like open our eyes and like if there's something in my life that's I've given a foothold, um, Show me that. That way I can get rid of it and I can have that um, deeper connection where I don't allow footholds in my life. Like, is there, uh, does, that, does the question make sense? Like, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And there's a couple of things I'm going I'm to say about that. Um, that is what the word iniquity means. Iniquity is not just another term for sin. Iniquity is a word all of its own. And, uh, come over here. Okay, I'm going to say, um, I don't know your dad. I don't know if he's still alive. I'll say Michael's dad was an alcoholic, okay? And, and uh, it has been proven that the children of an alcoholic have a greater possibility of doing the same thing than anybody else. Um, even if they never knew their dad. Even if they never knew their dad. I, I'll give you a story. Um, there was a young guy working for someone, and you need to stay here for a little bit. There was a young guy working for or, uh, for somebody that I know, and uh, he was uh, they were somewhere out in the middle of the country and needed some place to eat, and the only place they could find was a bar. They went into a bar. Bar served good hamburgers, most of them. So they were eating um, these hamburgers, and he looked over at this guy. And he said he was gripping the table. His knuckles were white, and he was staring up at the wall. And so he looked up there, and there was every bottle that this place served of, of whiskey and liquor and whatever. And this guy was just shaking. And then I just remember, whoops, he is a recovering. He just got out of prison. And he told the story of his life. He said his dad was an extreme alcoholic, and then he was a young boy. He found a bottle of whiskey in the ditch and 
he got so excited he could hardly contain himself. He shook like a leaf. He think the entire thing and almost killed himself. Um, I have found beer cans laying in the... I have zero desire to drink it. Why would I want it? But he couldn't help himself. So actually, do you know what was happening? He was having this from somebody that is invisible. It is a demonic, demonic connection that is called iniquity. That spirit was taking him and pushing him into that stuff. Uh, okay, so your question. How do we know if there's not something in our life that is causing some problems, um, that is causing some pushes, and giving Satan a right to harass us? And that's a good question. Um, and it's something each one of you personally needs to pursue. And if you have a question and you feel like there's something, I don't care what it is, there's a push of something in your life that you're not free from. And I've had to several times in my life take care of things because there was a pushing me to evil and I would have to fight and fight and fight to not go there. And getting rid of the demonic entity that was doing that has made all the difference in the world. And you know, there may be some more. I don't know. Um, but to answer your question, you need to find that. And I don't know how we can deal with that here other than you need to be aware of that. Does that make sense? Be aware if there's something in your life somewhere that is pushing you in any way you feel like um, more than natural into any type of sin, anger, lust, I don't care what it is, pursue that. Go to somebody. Get some help. Because that can be broken off. Um, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? You got more on Okay, I think there's men in here that have dealt with that more than I have. And if you're willing to open up on that, on that uh, question, I would appreciate it. Can I try rephrasing the question just a little bit? Okay. I, I think so. I'm going through a dry, dry time in my life. How do I know is there sin in my life? Is there iniquity in my life that needs to be dealt with? Or is it just a valley that God is providentially leading me through for some unknown person or purpose? Sorry, um, and just trust Him through it. Or, or do I go? You know, how, how do I discern? Is this a test from the Lord, or is there sin in my life? Is, is that? 
and, and how, how how do I differentiate? Yeah, or is that still not even? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it could very well be where it's like you're allowing sin in your life. But it's something where you don't know. Like, you don't feel like there, it's just, I would say, I don't know. You, you put the fill in the blank. Well, it may be something like that. You don't feel like it's wrong, but there could be a spiritual side. My parents had a property that they bought, and they were having issues with it. Come to find out years later, that's where they Yeah, I, I know, but it's a good question. And I think it's important for us to look at that a, a little bit. And uh, we'll take just a little bit of time with that. Um, remember the story of Achan? So the children of Israel went across Jordan and attacked that city. And God told them, do not touch the accursed thing. And the reason they weren't allowed to touch the, as the Bible called it, the accursed thing is because that city was uh, totally given over to witchcraft and everything in it had a demon attached to it. And if they got, took that thing in their possession, that gave the demon the right to harass them, uh, to work in their life. In the Old Testament, there was no cure for that. The Bible says that is passed on to the third and fourth generation. So they killed Achan and every single person in their family because there was no other way to get rid of it. Their sins in the Old Testament that was always the penalty of death. And I'm pretty sure that every time that penalty of death was placed on a sin was because there was demonic attached to it. And, and so it's something that's real. What you're saying, property, there was a lot of evil done in that property, which gave, somehow that can give the devil a foothold where he has the right in that area to harass. Hey, there's people that bring stuff back from Africa and different places, little symbols that have demons attached to them, and it will affect you. There's things that you do. You know, you get into things like porn. You get into a bunch of that kind of stuff. You are opening yourself up to demonic activity. And if you have been in that, then you need to look, look, you need to go somewhere and get some help. Talk to somebody and get some help. If there's something that is constantly coming back, God wants you out of that worse than you want out of it. Can I? For yes. just a second, I, I think partially answer your question, um, and you can follow up or, or anyone else, but um, to know maybe when to go looking for that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And Satan would love to get you to, to he, he also loves to bring condemnation. And Well, you know what? I'm not feeling the Lord. Okay. There must be sin in my life. 
And if you answer the voice of the accuser, he'll send you running miles and loops all day long, and you're never going to find any sin. It's just more confusion, more accusation. And so you can walk in confidence and in faith with God that he is way, way more invested, way more interested in you walking in freedom from sin than what you can possibly be. He's got your back. And if there is something in your life, whether it's demonic or just some little, you know, attitude in one time, from the biggest thing to the littlest thing, he is way more invested in walking you into freedom than what you could possibly want, no matter how bad it is. And and there's security and safety in that. Um, And so openness and surrender to his way, his time, his will, and bringing that to the surface. But, yeah, if there's something, like Steve said, that reoccurs, that comes up again and again, then that's probably a sign from the Holy Spirit saying, this is something that I might want to start seeking. Ask advice um, in prayer. God, is there something here? Is there, and he'll speak to you. He'll answer you. Go to mature Christians, people who have walked through the years, who have found freedom maybe in the same area that you're having questions about. And say, look, here's the thing I'm dealing with. I know you found freedom in this area years ago. Is is this is there something in my life that's messed up here, or is God just as part of my journey, and, and I just need to trust God and walk? Those are a couple resources I would say. But don't don't just dive into a witch hunt just because Satan put a, an idea in your head that something's off today. Yeah, that 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 is very very good, and understand. The thing of thing of iniquity, ancestral sin, whatever. If my father was an alcoholic, and I'm getting a push because of that, that is not my fault. But I stick the demonic from doing that to me. It's not a sin I did, but the Bible does tell us that it's passed on to the third and fourth generation. And and uh, I would like to say, just becoming a Christian takes care of all of them. But I've experienced it in my own life where it didn't. And I had it taken care of later. Jamin, back there. Okay, so I have a follow-up question kind of off of what you just talked about, um, about the iniquity thing. Um, We were talking earlier about Saul and David and the difference between how they responded to sin in their lives and how Saul kind of made an excuse for it. But when David repented, he just pretty much took responsibility for his own sin. Um, how does that relate to what you're talking about now in iniquity and, say, blaming the father, your ancestors or whatever, for sins in your own life? Where, how do you set responsibility for sin or saying, oh, this must be, you know, some generational thing. And, and how I would almost see that as making an excuse for sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, that, that's a good question. And, and this, is, this is part of the answer that I will give. When we look at, at the, the life of King Saul, he made choices that were wrong. One after the other after the other. That cannot be blamed on demonic. 
That, that's blamed on Saul. It's things that he did. Um, David did some things that he actually should have been stoned. There is grace given in the Old Testament that is amazing. But uh, for adultery, murder, some of that kind of stuff, he should have been stoned. But that's a beautiful evidence of God's grace. Uh, So he he, um, did some things that were wrong, but he accepted the wrong. That was an actual act that he did. Um, And as far as... uh, Iniquity, ancestry, just about need to depend on the Holy Spirit to show you that. Because I don't have the wisdom for that. And there's things that have been in my life for a long time that I questioned a little bit in the back of my mind. And, and then it came to the forefront. And I dealt with it. I actually, most, I mean, I had, and most of the time it happened when I was in some meetings with some people talking about it. Um, I've gone to Straight Pass Foundation, some things like that, if you're familiar with that. And uh, they, they help you through some of that kind of stuff and so on. And uh, I don't know if that answers your question at all, at least in part, hopefully. So what you're saying is pretty much rely on the Holy Spirit for wisdom to discern each situation because it can be different. Okay, say, say that again. You're saying basically rely on the Holy Spirit because each, each situation could be different. It, it can be. You need to make sure you keep your life clean. Living right breaks strongholds. And we constantly live right, constantly do the right thing, constantly are open to Jesus Christ. And, he, and we, to the Spirit, He's showing us, hey, you're, you, this is not right in your life. This is not right in your life. Change them. Make them right. Uh, repent. And repentance is a beautiful word. It's not... It's not in any way a negative, there's no enough negative condemnation to it at all. It's beautiful. And, and it's something that, be ready to do that and be quick to do that. Um, the responsibility doesn't absolve you of any responsibility. It's maybe just more of an understanding of, of what opened the access. The buck still stops 100% with you. It actually gives you more responsibility to be able to address it. I don't know if that makes sense. And if there is something in your life, like an alcohol, a son of an alcoholic, that's not condemning you. It's not condemning anybody. It just might make your life a little more difficult. And it can be cleaned up. Go ahead. Yeah, I know this was, uh, this isn't to depart from the spiritual side of things. I would believe that this is the sort of uh, thing that the spiritual side of things is taking advantage of. I heard generation explained with they actually studied mice and they were able to pass down uh, through the generations reactions uh, to certain sense or smells and, and reactions and that sort of thing uh, to the point where um, well I, I should probably explain the, the mouse um, thing they exposed these mice to a bad smell and then electrocuted their feet. Right, And so every time they smelled the thing, they reacted to it over and over and over. And then they separated them from that um, experience. They had children, and then they, uh, with the, the new generation, they released the smell again, and all the mice freaked out because they had that sort of generational passing down reaction 
to that exposure. Uh, there's actually some really into how there are things that are passed down that's not our DNA, but it's the thing that sort of activates our DNA that responds to those things. So that's why there's people who have more of an attraction to alcohol, more of an attraction to uh, lust and those things. That's what's getting passed down is sort of that reaction to things. Uh, the spirit realm knows this. They're aware of this, and so that's why they're pushing so hard on these things because you were given a sort of disadvantage because of your uh, fathers and, and fathers' fathers and that sort of thing. Uh, so you need to be aware of those things, and not that you need to go to your father and be like, hey, Dad, like, where'd you mess up all these times? You know, it's not that thing. It's just to be aware of uh, what are the things that the, the spiritual side is going to be able to attack and bring those to the Lord for redemption, for a new life and, and a renewal of your mind and a new creation. That's why we have such powerful verses in the New Testament speaking to those things. Um, so, yeah, if that would help you, like looking into the scientific side of things, I know it helped me because it's, it's a little bit harder to understand the spiritual. Um, I would recommend diving into some of that and, and seeing that sort of thing. So, anyways, I don't know if that answers it. There's one thing I would say on that. Through spiritual help, that can be killed like that in one second. And it, and it goes away. Because that stops the demonic. Are we done? Anything to say? What was that? Like my mom was like on fire for Jesus. Is that why I'm like on fire for Jesus? You know, the Bible says an interesting thing. He says that curses are passed down to the third and fourth generation. What does it say about blessing? Do anybody remember? To the thousands or is it hundreds generation? So there's a connection. Yeah. And in that, if you guys are going to stay hot, your children are going to have a lot better chance. Yeah. If you stay out of junk, your children are going to have a lot better chance. Think about that. Okay. Are we done? I appreciate all your input, all the good things that you've said. Uh, you've been an incredible crowd um, to have a discussion with. There's a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff that came from you, and I want to thank you for